Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blue Hello and welcome to the Man City Show. I'm Stephen Allwise and I'm hosting today's show in place of Nigel Rothband who can't be with us today but I'm sure he'll be back next week to take over again. We have two top guests in the studio today. First up we have Steve Cox. Hello. Hi Steve and we have Dave Hodgson. Good evening. Evening to both of you. So rather than start with the Premier League which I'm sure we do most weeks I want to look back at what happened on Monday night in the second leg of the FA Youth Cup final. Now, Dave, you said that you went to the game. Indeed, I did. What did you make of City's performance? Because they lost 2-1 on the night and 5-2 on aggregate, which sounds like quite a heavy beating. Was that a fair reflection over the two legs? I think, I mean, I, I didn't see the first leg. I did go to the second leg. I've got to say, I think Chelsea had the better players. I think Chelsea technically... We're a, li- were a little better than us, a little stronger than us, and you got the sense that some of those players were you know, very used to playing with each other and really quite adapted to the system they were playing. City had some players who you could see, yeah, they're really technically proficient, they're getting ready for the game and they might break through in a couple of years' time maybe. I mean, I was particularly impressed by our, our full-backs, for example. But again, I got the sense that Chelsea were just that bit stronger, bit quicker, bit sharper... And that, that, was, that was what told on the day, really. And do you think, Steve, that that's something to be concerned about at all? Or that in, you know, in the next couple of years, when the under-18s grow and they physically mature, that won't be an issue? I, I guess, listening to some of the commentary, um, you could tell that the City lads were probably a little bit younger than the Chelsea lads for a start. I think they're probably a year behind in the development. Most of those Chelsea lads had actually played in the Cup last year, and they've also been playing for their under-21s, who won the European 
um, trophy effectively that, that Chelsea went ahead and did that so I would say that they were probably a little bit older a little bit stronger and they'd had a little bit more time to develop I would guess that our lads will probably join them at some stage or other we didn't have many of our under 21s in that team um, only Ian Acci was the only sort of concession to that the rest of them all were genuine I'm not saying the Chelsea lads weren't but I think they just had a little bit longer to develop and I think yes. to back that point up I read that five of City starting 11 from yesterday will be eligible to play next year in the competition absolutely so what do you think they can learn from losing a final that they can then take into next year in the future I think it's the same as anything you you, you don't really appreciate the level that you have to play to until you're put in a position where you've got to adapt to that level and I, I guess probably what they will have learned is that the Chelsea lads were a little bit stronger they were pressing a lot quicker City got very little time on the ball they weren't allowed to settle on the ball however the one thing that they will have learned from that is that the fast passing and fast movement actually enabled them to open Chelsea up on a few occasions. So I guess they've got to look at what their weaknesses were and what the strengths were and actually play to both. And that's Jason Wilcox's job now, to actually take them away and say to them, do you know what, 5-2 was a result overall over the two legs. They were a little bit unlucky to have lost the first leg 3-1. 2-1 was probably a fair... So I think probably 4-2 would have probably been a, a fair overall result for me. Um, but I think he needs to take them away, build them up and, and, and potentially actually even start blooding them in, in games against the... In, into sort of club games with perhaps the under-21s or something like that. So they actually learn a little bit more of that strength development. So that you think that's the next step up to, to take them up to the next age group and, and give them a go? I guess the barometer of any youth academy is how many players then progress on to make the first team yeah and Chelsea I think have won the FA Youth Cup four of the last six years which yeah. is a fantastic achievement and yet none of the players have then gone on to play for the first team with the exception I think one of their boys last night actually is already he's on the in, fringe in, I think in the Solanke first team as such yes yeah and as you said before he looks physically as if he could handle that which many of he the looks City 35, players... looks 35, actually. No. He does. I was thinking, <laughs> I, I went to the game with Lee Warner, regular guest and, and friend of the podcast, and we both commented to each other that Solanke does, pair, does bear a passing resemblance to Diego Costa. He does a little bit, yeah. Um, which, mm. for an 18-year-old, is probably not such a good thing, since Diego Costa looks double that age. But you mentioned, Dave, that the fullbacks impressed you. What did you like about Angelino and Maffeo? Well, I think the thing was, I was sort of contrasting it against the last time I went to see City in the Youth Cup when we won it in, I think it was 2008. And then you could see that it was far more, that that side had not tactically developed in the same way as we're seeing with this side. This is a very continental way of playing. It's far more akin to some of the stuff we've seen from City teams in recent years. And the full-backs bombing forward and really taking a role, not just in the defensive side of the game, but the attacking phases, was really quite noticeable. I thought the right-back, Maffeo, was really, really strong. You know, good in the tackle, quick going forward, you know, always trying to to beat his man and overlap as well. And Angelino, again, I I hear he's got a lot of goals for the EDS and is looking to be, you know, some people have even said he may be our second-choice full-back next season, should Kolarov leave. I think he was impressive again. And, I mean, the stamina of those players, you know, especially for young lads as well who are maybe not at the peak fitness that they will see later on in their career. It was impressive, the sort of lung-busting runs they were making and being back and coming back in time. Positioning may be a little off, but that comes with age. So I think that those two were particularly bright prospects to watch. So I, I think Maffeo is an interesting case because he 
he is one who does play for the under-19s and under-21s, but mainly as a centre-back. And he's, I think I've seen he said in the past that he finds it difficult physically because he is quite small to play centre-back and he finds that strikers tend to, to move towards him because they, can know, they know they can win the aerial battle. But I suppose it's great experience for him to then be so versatile as to play at a decent level in two positions. You mentioned Angelino and how people have said that he could be the one to break through and become the second-choice left-back. What do you think should happen to him at the end of the season? Do you think perhaps he's ready for a loan move or keep him with the first team in pre-season? I mean, I'm sort of a bit school of hard knocks. Loan him to the lower league. Let them get a bit of a kicking at first. Let them know how the adult game is going to be. It's going to be stronger. And then, you know, maybe let them go on loan somewhere where they can develop as a footballer, maybe abroad. I, I do really believe that we should loan them within the British system to let them try really what is going to, what is going to hit them in the Premier League because I think it's fair to say the English leagues are the most physical. And to succeed in them, you really have to be able to stand up to what's going to get thrown at you. And the earlier you prepare them on that, the better. One player, I'd agree with that, one player who stood out for me as well in terms of the physicality was the captain, Tosin Adarabayo, who was number four, who's obviously much taller than the rest of his teammates and therefore was able aerially to manage against Chelsea's front three. But he was someone who I, I looked at and thought, he has the physicality, he has the strength, and he looks as if he can read a game. So the, it's interesting now to go on and see where these players end up. Now, Steve, you were impressed by Kelechi Iheanacho, which is a bit of a mouthful, um, who fans would have seen on pre-season when he played a little bit for the first team, but who I think he suffered with injuries and he's not played so much at the youth levels this season. What did you like about what you saw of him? I liked his instinct um, for the goal. He was in the right area. He didn't do anything particularly complicated. He did it simple. Um, He made himself available for crosses. He was strong at those. He was unlucky not to have scored a second goal because he headed the ball back across, but it brought out a very fine save from the Chelsea keeper. Um, I actually think he puts himself about a bit, and I think he was in a similar mould to the Chelsea front three. I think he was the only player we actually had up front that had those physical attributes now I think that somebody like that as a focal point for a team is ideal especially if you've got fullbacks that are bombing on and you've got people like Brandon Barker who can actually cross the ball um, and I think he's, he seemed prepared to get himself into those dangerous positions and, and actually make contact with the ball and put it in the net and I think he was unlucky not to have got a hat-trick last night to be fair So moving on do you think he might be a candidate to you know whether straight yeah. away or in a year or so move up yeah, to the I first th- team? I, I think so. I, th- I, I would say there were probably sort of three players that, that I would have suggested should be um, on the verge of the first team. Brandon Barker is one of them because he shows the technical ability and the pace to actually adapt to it. He, he should be moving himself forward. Uh, Iannacci and I would say Angelino because they look strong as well. They don't, they don't look as though they need as much development on the physical side. However, I, I think as Dave says, quite rightly points out, they would probably all benefit from actually going and playing in, potentially in the Championship uh, and actually finding out the, the physicality of the Championship or, or Division 1 and, and, and seeing how they adapt to that. And I think people have to be wary. Everyone looks at a good performance from a young player and thinks, throw them in, because everyone yeah. wants to see that academy player make the step up. And yet if you look around the league and you look at the top clubs in particular... It's very rare, I think, you get someone like Sterling who doesn't go out on loan. It's very rare you get someone to make that immediate step up. 
You look at Harry Kane, for example, who's had loan after loan after loan. Yeah. A lot of it's confidence, I guess. I, I suppose people... There's, there's two things. There's two things at play here. The first thing is you don't want a, a youngster to actually lose their confidence. The second thing is, unfortunately, football is a game that's all about success. And the money coming into the game only comes into the clubs that are actually successful. Therefore, somebody like Pellegrini has to be successful. Now, even if we write this year off, the reality of it is we're, probably, we're not going to get any silverware this year. Somebody like Pellegrini will be under pressure next year to actually produce something and make... Is he prepared to risk it on, on, on a kid that may or may not be able to live up to the physical strength and, and, and what they've shown or the promise that they've actually shown in a younger age group? Or does he go out because he can afford to? Does he go out and buy the best person in that position and, and actually put them into the game? And, and, and to be fair, these days, it seems to be the latter rather than the former that seem, seems to happen. Um, Harry Kane and Sterling are probably two exceptions to that. They are. And I think, though, that the kids just need a chance because the, you pe- see people like Denis Suarez and Juan Roman, who both were Spaniards at City but then never really got the chance and went back to Spain. Now, I'm sure the, the lure of a club like Barcelona or Real Madrid for a young Spaniard is huge. And perhaps even if they'd have been given the chance at City, they would have gone back. But I think someone like Angelino needs to know that, OK, for the odd game, he'll be on the bench. Now, he, he, no one's saying, I want him to start in the derby, I want him to start every game every week. But I think they need to know that there is that progression at City because at some point they're going to be ready to play first-team football elsewhere. I, I guess a, a team like Real Madrid or Barcelona, they have that B-team situation where they can actually play them in a lower league. They don't play against Barcelona, but they play in a lower league, so therefore the risk is actually far less to them than it is when you put them into that first team environment I agree they should at least be blooded in the cup we need to pick a cup competition and say do you know what that's for the youngsters and a few um, aged pros that know what they're doing put them in and let them play together and don't worry about getting the first team too involved in that but pick four or five players that they can play around I, I think that model actually works incredibly well they'll learn from the pros and they may or may not get to a semi-final. They may or not, and may not get to a final. But the reality is, all it's all about giving them that opportunity and that experience. And just to round off the debate on the under 18s you were at the game, Dave. What did you make of the support? Because I think there were just under eleven thousand there, which is, you know, testament to the quality of football on show, but also the passion of the fans and and that interest in seeing who is the future. Well, it was interesting and it was a really good gesture from the club that uh, certainly some of my friends came down from Manchester for the game because they had been given free coach travel to fans who'd been to the first leg, which was brilliant. It got fans coming to the game and, you know, I, I imagine there would have been far less away fans had, their, had this offer not been, not been put in. Um, the Chelsea fans, it was, it was quite a young, young crowd. I, I get the sense they'd offered a, a deal to youngsters, which again is good to see, you know, get people, get, you know, the spirit of youth in football coming to the game at all levels and making it available as a sort of family day out. You know, I think it was a really impressive turnout from both clubs and, you know, really good to see that this, the Youth Cup is getting interest. You know, it's almost like a flea pit gig for football and it's, it's really... It, it was good to see. It was also a great experience for the young players. Because that was going to be my next question, that they'll be so used to playing in front of parents and families on a Saturday morning at under-18 level. For them to experience playing in a in Champions League stadium and in front of 11,000, that must give them such belief and, and inspire them to then move on. 
And again, a full house at the um, at CFA, CFA as, it's, as it's now called. Yeah, it's it's you know it's, it's a, another experience for them playing in front of a full house. You know, it's with the noise that comes with that. You know, it, they will have learned from this experience, even if they've not come home with silverware. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think it's all good for them. And I think it was nice just to round off that they came over to the supporters at the end and actually acknowledged acknowledged the support, which is something we don't see every game from the first team. Talking of the first team, the most recent game we won, 3-2 against Aston Villa. Just. And we're just. So that's two wins in two. Before that, it was a lot of defeats and a lot of negativity. What have we done right, Steve, in the last two games that we hadn't done beforehand? Okay, what have we done right? Or ha- did we do things right? I think, I think that the, the, the biggest thing at play seemed to be that where our luck was out prior to that, we seem to get a little bit lucky in the last couple of games. So it, it would appear that luck seems to be coming back into it again. Um, I, I was a little bit annoyed and frustrated when I've read several reports over the last couple of days and listened to a few podcasts where people have gone on about the um, the Benteke, whether he was or wasn't offside, whether he was taken down by heart. Now, the reality of it is, I look at that, and even with my blue hat on, I have to say it did look to me like he was A, onside, and B, he was taken out by heart. However, very few of those people then pointed out the fact that Aguero was clearly taken out when he was in a goal-scoring position. The referee completely and utterly missed it, and nobody seemed to focus on that. So actually, I would say across the game, those two decisions probably cancelled each other out. In reality, we probably were due another goal, and so were they, to be fair. I think luck seems to have come back. We seem to have a tenacity. We didn't give up. Heads didn't go down. Yes, we lost a two-goal lead. I don't know how we lost a two-goal lead. Lost a two-goal lead. Heads didn't go down. The players actually stuck to it. And, and to be fair, I always thought we were going to get something out of it. It always looked as though we could get something out of it at the end. So that, that fighting spirit to actually come back from the disappointment yeah. of conceding twice yeah. to then go on and, and nick the winner late on, that's not something we've seen all this season, has it? I mean, I'm going to really struggle to be positive about this game because I thought our performance was woeful. I thought we were... It summed up so much about our season in so many ways. We had, we were gifted the first goal, and the two goals that came after were due to the fact we have some fairly exceptional individuals in our squad. Kolarov, beautiful free kick, first, and first goal of the season. Well, he's not. He's not been on the pitch much this season, really, has he? He's, I'm surprised he hasn't had you know more of a chance as our as cliche sort of faltered as the season's gone on. And then I think Fernandinho's goal has been. Far too undersung. I think it was a you know brilliant piece of control Once, and a yeah. brilliant finish. But again, these were two isolated moments of quality from fantastic individuals. But the team play was so disjointed. The the tactics aren't working. I've been saying this all season. The performance of the players together just wasn't there. There were so many missed passes, and this was for both sides. But what told on the day is Villa are a team of one fantastic player and ten average ones. Whereas we have some exceptional individuals. Actually, to cut across there, Dave, I think that we were woeful up until the point that we actually introduced Milner and Fernandinho, and that seemed to make a difference. And for once, Pellegrini actually dealt with the issue rather than allowing it to ride on. And I think when they came on, the urgency actually improved. We started putting passes in the right place and we started putting things together. And that's when we looked a little bit more dangerous. And and that was at 2-1, I believe. We lost the other goal and then managed to come back from it. So I agree with you. Up till that point, we were shocking. And I I was getting really frustrated watching the game. 
But the question I'll ask, and it's the question I've been asking for a large chunk of the season, is why were Milner and Fernandinho not starting to begin with? I agree. I, I can't answer that. I really can't. I don't know what Pellegrini was thinking. Yaya Torre looked as usual. He seemed to look... It was one of those games where he just looked disinterested. When, if you know, I'd rather have a player on the pitch that may not be quite as talented as him and may not be able to turn the game round quite as easily as he can but is going to give you 100% it's a bit like having a you know a choice between a Tevez and, and a Dzeko in reality Tevez always gave you 100% when he was on the pitch if you could persuade him to get on the pitch Dzeko unfortunately sometimes he looks interested and other times he just doesn't and I, I don't know what drives a player to be disinterested like is, it, is it not fair just speaking up for Pellegrini for a moment which is something I haven't done too much this season he named an unchanged team and that those same eleven players did play well against West Ham the week but before. We played well against. We played reasonably well against a very average West Ham side, and I guess we thought Villa probably going to roll over in the same way, but they didn't. And they actually, to their credit, you know, they they had a, a shocking start, i.e., gifting um, Aguero a goal. And actually, to be fair, the the the, the vigor with which he chased that ball, because it, it, there was no one else on that pitch was going to get that ball, and he was definitely going to put that in the back of the net. You could see it just by the look on his face. Having done that, they seemed to pick themselves up, and they actually started to play again. As, uh, you know, and uh, whilst they looked really poor for the first five ten minutes, after that they actually started to come into the game, and we we sort of dif- drifted out of it. Really, I, I was impressed with Villa actually. Yeah, um, me and too. Sherwood. You know, we don't know what he's like as a manager over the course of a full season. But he's turned them around. And obviously, Benteke is such a, a physical unit and he wins so many headers. But I personally thought they played some nice football as well. And does, they made. Does they get took, caught offside a bit, though, doesn't he, Benteke? He does. He does. And, but Villa took advantage of the space that we left in the middle. Yeah. Because a midfield three of Lampard, Yaya, and Fernando is not going to give you much mobility. And Villa, I thought, played quite well in, in that central area. I, th- I think of those, of those three players. I, I would say that only Fernando actually performed anywhere near to his ability. Lampard didn't quite look there. Yaya wasn't quite there. And we just, we just lacked energy in, in the centre of midfield. So looking ahead to the next game, what would you do in that area? I would play the game that finished the end of, or play the team that finished at the end of the weekend. So to no be fair. Yaya, no Lampard. No, I think it's about... Uh, I've got nothing against Frank Lampard, but for me, he's a last 20 minutes kind of player now to be fair to him. Um, Yaya, I think, for whatever reason, his mind seems somewhere else and he just doesn't seem to be at it at the moment. So put him on the side. Dave, what have you made of Lampard this season? Because he started the last two games having, as Steve thinks, where he's best is coming off the bench. That's what he's done for most of the season in the last 20 minutes. Do you think, or what have you made of his season? Do you think he now regrets at all coming to City? I think he will... I don't think he'll look back on this chapter of his career thinking it was so worth, you know, the controversy of doing this. I mean, he had a fantastic start to the season and he was getting goals for us and vital goals. You know, on New Year's Day, I believe it was. I, I can't remember who we played now. Sunderland. And he, he, got the, he got the winner in that. The, obviously, the goal against Chelsea. And, you know, he, he was a, a key part of the team. And we required him to step up to get goals at a time where we were, for one reason or another, struggling. However, as the season's gone on, he has, he has not been able to. And, you know, he, he is in the sort of twilight years of his career. We can't expect him to carry a Premier League challenging side to get the goals they need anymore. And it's, I think he's been a success. I think he's been a, an asset to the, the club this season. But I wouldn't start him. Um, I agree with Steve. You know, last, last 20 minutes makes complete sense with him. 
But again, you know, it's for me how he's starting ahead of Milner. When we, what we need to be showing Milner is we will play you in the first team. We will give you that chance if you sign on the dotted line. I just, I, I can't understand that one. I love Milner. <laughs> I don't know why. He's, he's one of those players, you, you wind him up on the edge of the pitch and just put him on and he just goes and he goes and he goes and he goes and you get 100% effort from him all the time. And he can do that for 90 minutes. He doesn't get tired. Why do you bring him off the bench? You know, he, you can have him for a full game doing that. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. So has the last two games changed your view of Pellegrini and his future at all? No. No. I, I think I think that there's two there's two factors here. If we don't finish in the top four, which is unlikely now, if we didn't finish in the top four, I think Pellegrini would definitely be out. Now, as it stands at the moment, we're probably going to finish third I think we're looking at the, the fixtures that we've got remaining third possibly maybe second if we're really lucky um, I think Pellegrini will keep his job unfortunately I'm not sure that he's going to be able to deliver what we need as a club in the next season it may be that given a whole new set of players you know and it will be a different mix next year because there are going to be players coming and there are going to be players that are going to go he may be able to turn that I'm not always sure that he's capable of doing it I mean, it's a real shame we have to say this because I enjoyed Pellegrini's football so much last year and yeah. was really hoping that he would continue to deliver that. But the tactics this year have been stale. The players haven't looked up for it. Set pieces, again, a huge part of the manager's job. We have been woeful this season. Absolutely woeful. The things that you really look for for your manager he's not provided this year. It's, and... it's guided. At the end of the day, anybody can say the players haven't performed on the pitch. And yes, absolutely, they probably haven't performed on the pitch and they probably haven't done everything that he's asked them to. But as a manager, it's his job to motivate them. It's his job to set them up correctly. It's his job to get those tactics across to them. And whatever way you look at it, both parts of that equation have failed this year. And, and Dave touched on it before, and I think it was absolutely spot on that we're a team of individuals and for me, watching so many of our games this season, you'd be hard-pressed to know what the plan is. It looks yeah. as if it's give the ball to Silva, give the ball to Aguero and hope that they do something. Yeah. Now, Aguero has had a great season and you know, has bailed us out a few times, but there's no cohesion in the team. No. There doesn't look to be a plan. But touching upon Aguero, and we've had this week the PFA Player of the Year and Team of the Year and Young Player... And there was no City player anywhere near that. Do you think it was harsh on Aguero to be overlooked? He's been out for too long. Yeah, I think, I think the, the part of the problem that Aguero actually had with that is a lot of these decisions are made earlier in the season. They were made at a point when Aguero actually wasn't on the pitch for us at all. And it's made a, a, on the impression of what's going on at that point in time. And at that point in time, everybody was talking about Diego Costa, Harry Kane and Chelsea. So I'm not surprised that, that that's really where we're actually at with, with that particular uh, set of results, to be fair. Personally, I think they talk about the whole year. In reality, people only will only vote based upon the impressions they have. So it's the last, the last result. You're only as good as your last result. You're only as good as your last month. And, th and that's what people have got in their mind at that point in time. But if you were to judge it as a whole season and you had two strikers to name in your team of the year, which two would they be? I would be, I would be naming Aguero and I probably would also be naming either Harry Kane or Diego Costa because those are the three that have stood out for me. Okay, and Dave, apart from Aguero, who I think we'd all accept is City's player of the season, 
Which other individuals do you think can hold their heads high come the end of the campaign? I think for large chunks of this season, particularly when Aguero was out and we were struggling with strikers, David Silva has been what's kept us from you know, really being, being in trouble. I remember, I, I believe it was the Burnley game, which was a disaster, the two all at home, where for, before, when we were 2-0 you know, up, and but both those two goals, Silva played a huge part. Silva had been vital to that game and was the sort of fulcrum of everything we did. When we've needed Silva to, which has been pretty much every game, He's succeeded or been marked out the game. You know, he, he is, he's remarkably consistent, I think. And, you know, when, when he is marked out the game, he's taken, to, he's taken a number of players out of the game because they've had to put such a, so, so much pressure on him. I think Silver is... I think Silver is maybe... It's certainly him or Aguero are the best players in the squad by some mile this season. Yeah, I think I was, Joe, Joe, Hart's played quite, Joe Hart's played quite well at times, although... Joe Hart sometimes still has these brain farts where he does some daft things. You know, you look at you look at the game at the weekend. Certainly, one of those goals I would put fairly and squarely at his door, simply because he didn't punch the ball far enough and hard enough. So I think moving on, we've talked about Aguero and Silva. Personally, I'd base the squad around those two because I think they're our best two players. Which positions do you think really do need strengthening in the summer? Because it's very easy to talk about getting rid of six, seven, eight players and, and changing the whole squad. But in reality, we're not going to go out and spend £250 million. If you had three positions in the squad which you urgently think need changing, which would they be? I would say left-back, a driving midfielder in the Yaya mould that's much younger and more interested, and I think we need some decent cover at right-back. I think outside of that, so you're happy up front? As in cover for Zabaleta in, a, in, in the fact that I think Sanya's probably going to go. Up front, it, it's, a real, it's really difficult because in most cases, you're, I don't think we should really be playing two strikers up front. So therefore, I think you've probably got Aguero plus one or two others, potentially. I don't think you necessarily have to have somebody of Aguero's quality. In fact, you probably won't find somebody of Aguero's quality. You uh, have got Bonnie there, so I, I don't really think that you need to strengthen that too far. Um, I don't know. What do you think, Dave? I would say left-back, I agree. Centre-mid, I agree. But I'd also say right-wing. I think we... You're not a Jesus Navas fan. I am sometimes a fan of Jesus Navas, but there are other times where you just know it's not his day and you need to be able to have another option. And for me, Silver and Nasri sometimes get too much in each other's way and when you have them both on the pitch, you lose that directness that a, a winger should give you. So I'd like to see a winger maybe a little less one-footed than Navas, someone you could put on either flank, you could switch them, you could help them move play and have them really run in the old-style mould, you know, get the ball run, few tricks and beat his man. And Navas hasn't done that enough this season. There's a name, all those attributes that you were mentioning, there's a name that springs to mind and that's James Milner who can play on both wings and is direct yes. and runs at people and will run all day as we've discussed but I fear that he will now move on and probably to Liverpool where he might replace Gerrard. But English players will be an issue for us because yeah. we're likely to lose Milner, we'll lose Lampard, Scott Sinclair will go. Dedrick Boyata, who counts for the homegrown quota, he's another one who may well leave. And that leaves us with just cliche and heart. And that's a real issue, I think, going into this summer for City. But do you think, Steve, that there are any English players out there who would improve our squad? Um, 
you've got players of the calibre of potentially Sterling would improve the squad. There are some English players there. I think they're very overpriced. <laughs> That's the problem with uh, English players, I think. Um, not really. So Jack, Jack Wilshire, I think, was Wilshire, linked maybe. for, for 30-plus million. But he's, he's, he's injured quite a lot, isn't he, Wilshire? So I, I'm not sure. You need, you need somebody of, of, of a level of consistency that's not, um, that's not always injured. I mean, I'd be very disappointed if we do go out and spend as much money on Wilshire as I'm hearing bandied about because he's, he's not delivered. The last no. two seasons, he's not delivered on his potential. The ones I, I've always liked, Ross Barkley. I've always thought yeah. he has the potential to do what Yaya's done. He's big, he's physical, he's technical. And I think he could do a very good job for us. But again, Sterling is kind of the, the English player to have at the moment. He will cost an arm and a leg. Would he be worth it? Maybe, I don't know. Gareth Barry said that Ross Barkley would be better off staying at Everton for another year to develop and mature. Gareth Barry's got a vested interest in that, though, hasn't he, as well? <laughs> he does, former City legend, he might, he Gareth might, Barry. He, to be fair, he might be right, but, but he's still I'm got sure a bit of a vested right. interest in that. I think, I think you're probably right, actually. So we've mentioned Barkley and Sterling. Are there any other players that you've got your eyes on and think City should really go after? I like John Stones. I think he's, yeah, a, I I think he's got a good head on his shoulders, very composed, good on the ball. Versatile as well. Exactly. He's, he, he is... He has, you know, that sort of modern school of defending, but also able to, you know, win his headers and, you know, deal, deal with the sort of physical pressures that are going to yeah. come in from opposition strikers. Again, Everton might ask for a lot, but their financial situation is a little more precarious than some of the other clubs around. I think it might be easier to get him than, say, some of the you know, so, names like Sterling trying to extricate them from the bigger clubs. So all the names that have been mentioned and the English players and the nationality is an aside for the moment, but you're talking about youth and promise yeah. in Barclay and Sterling and Stones. Do we think that's something that the squad needs, that injection of youth and, and energy this summer? The squad's getting a bit old and jaded, to be fair, and I'm not poking fun at any particular player in, in that respect, but the reality is you, you, our average age is, is up past 27 these days, and I think it probably needs to be closer to 23, 24. Um, and I think we do need to inject some youth into it. And the average age of our summer signings last year was 30. Yeah. And what we signed was a backup goalkeeper, a backup right-back, a very inexperienced centre half, a backup midfielder, and Frank Lampard. Yeah, and I think there's probably going to be a lot of scrutiny this summer on Bagiristein because he looks yeah. to be the one who who has the final say on which players join. But you're not so keen, Steve, on giving Pellegrini, you know, a new squad. If we were to get rid of Pellegrini, the issue I think is who would you bring in? Which manager would be bringing? I'm not sure that we're ready for somebody like um, Klopp, perhaps. But I think if if we if we had the quality of say like Ancelotti or um, someone of that ilk was available, then I think we certainly should consider or even somebody like Benitez. To be fair, if 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 it if it was a reasonable a reasonable manager, then we should consider doing it. But I'm not sure there's anybody out there that's better than Pellegrini. So the reality of it is, we perhaps need to give him some time and some space and get him you know see if he can actually motivate a team to do it again he did it in the first year he was there but was that because it was such a drastic change from Mancini that everybody decided well this guy knows what he's doing and let's get on with it and this year they just seem to have lost the plot a bit look I think it's no secret who the board want and who they want to have in place yeah. but we're not going to be able to get him till next summer yeah and if, if we can get him at all if we could get him at all but again 
I think Pellegrini's contract, you know, it expires at the same time. I think that there may have been a certain amount of intention behind that. So it may be worth just holding on to Pellegrini for another year, just to, you know, for some consistency before this long preempted transition. And if we're going to do that, we shouldn't, we shouldn't give him tons of money to rebuild the squad if it's ultimately not going to be his own. Because, you know, the new, a new, if a new manager comes in, he'll want to build the squad in his image. So let's not throw good money after bad. If, if we're going to stick with Pellegrini, give him a, you know, enough to improve the squad but not to overhaul and save it for when they bring a new manager in. Or if they're going to change and they, they see a manager they like, go for him and give him the money to change the squad how he needs to. OK, so just to wrap up overall, we've got Spurs away on Sunday. Prediction, Steve? Um, I think we should win 2-0. Two 2-0 nil. Two nil goal scorers? Aguero and Silva. And Dave? 2-1 Spurs. 2-1 Spurs. 2-1 Spurs. Why are you not confident? Because I don't see anything in that squad that's going to, on current form, that's going to deliver in a game away from home. Spurs are going to want it. They're going to try, you know, they're, they're in a race to try and get Europa League. I think they've got... They've already got Europa League, I think, haven't they? Can't Southampton still take it off them? Didn't they lose in a final or something? And they, Was it something like that? Or is it some... They lost in the Capital One Cup final to Chelsea, but I think it's the FA Cup runners-up. Well, I thought that if they, that I, would thought get. That, I thought that that would give them automatic qualification. I don't know. I've heard that, but we'll we'll check that for we'll you next week. Check that one out. Yeah. But that that's all for today's show. So my thanks to Steve, thank you, and Dave, and that's all from me. And we'll see you again next week on the Man City Show. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.